0: I'm Peg Kiner, and this is Thriving on the Possibility. In this season, we'll explore episodes of female explorers explaining the stories of resilience. Shame researcher Brene Brown says that there are few words that people tell themselves to overcome obstacles, that they say, this is the story I'm telling myself, and that through that narrative, they can overcome struggles and achieve greatness. I'm on the hunt for that story. So here at National Geographic, I found female explorers to come tell me their stories of resilience, of how they've navigated obstacles, overcome struggles, and all those small steps that they take each day to keep going. Hey Kim, thank you for joining me in the studio today. It's so wild. Uh, Kim Young is here with us and I know Kim through the National Geographic Education and Lindblad Expeditions Grosvenor Teacher Fellow Program and we have super bonded and become Explorer Sisters together and we'll be going to the Badlands this summer with 17 people. Um, And Kim is someone who to me is so resilient. She seeks out adventure and opportunity with a very thoughtful purpose. But Kim, you do so many projects. First, can you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Hi, Peg. I'm so excited to be here this morning, Explore Sisters for Life. Um, Yeah, I am a high school world history teacher outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So my space um, and my exploration is normally around kind of people and geography and social systems. But a big challenge I've put forward to myself is thinking about how to integrate Uh, our planet in balance within that theme kind of from a social studies interdisciplinary lens so that's been um, one of the ways you know kind of getting involved in the grosvenor teacher fellowship and then thinking about badlands and bringing teachers out to camp and thinking about field studies so that's um, as we've kind of crossed paths in those ways, that's been very exciting. But I teach ninth graders. They're so enthusiastic. They're old enough to think complexly, but young enough to still believe they can make a change. So my day is a full of full, a lot of excited utterances and gasps and interruptions, but through joy and excitement, not necessarily out of any sort of desire. It's like the best when the class gets off track due to student passion.
0: Ah, Yeah, getting off track to student passion. Speaking of getting off track, can you tell me about your polar trek permafrost journey? Because when you came back from this, um, it's one of only many adventures and explorations you've done. But this specific one taught me a number of lessons. Um, And we're really unpacking this resilience of what do you do when things go wrong or things don't quite go your way. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah Uh, this past summer
1: I ended up getting to spend four weeks with a team of researchers from the Woods Hole Research Center. They're looking at kind of all things climate change related but specifically they have a series of field sites up in northern Alaska. So not just Alaska that we kind of see Um, with cruise ships and kind of the southern part, which is absolutely beautiful, but we're talking the portions of Alaska from Fairbanks North um, all the way up to Utiavik and several other communities off the road system, also including the Dalton Highway, um, which is a dirt road kind of trucker route going up to Prudhoe Bay. so I got the opportunity to join a team of female scientists in the field to look at their winter respiration sites, kind of looking at um, how much carbon is being released um, from the thawing permafrost. So this, first of all, was amazing. Um, I just even understanding what permafrost for me was a great kind of challenge and a step outside of my comfort zone. It's an environment that is so different from Boston, Massachusetts, and my concrete jungle with a couple trees. But also it was, I think, when we're thinking about resilience, this idea of challenging myself to go into a totally new environment, I felt not just kind of geographically, but feeling confident enough to hang out with a team of female scientists as a world, uh, world history teacher and a high school world history teacher, kind of wondering what did I have to bring to this amazing team of scientists who are mapping data in ways that have never been seen before and using new technologies, you know, what is a classroom teacher doing out in the field with these amazing women, and especially when it's science. And I had a lot of doubt and questions of, I really almost felt like I was studying abroad, Like I was going into this whole new world that I'd never been a part of, and you know, would they like me? Would I know how to talk to them? Would I have anything to contribute? Would I bring the team down? Um, Would I cause you know all sorts of problems? (laughs) So it was really difficult at first, kind of finding my place in this whole new community and studying abroad to find out did I fit in in this you know community of scientists who are working on climate change.
0: And Kim, you're touching on a huge problem for a lot of the educator explorers out there or just people who are struggling with identity and their own perception of self. It's something I've talked to people a lot about this week that as we're growing up, we take other people's suggestions and then internalize it and kind of either bring that to fruition and become that or put it aside and ignore it and feel like we're not that thing. You know, I remember growing up and having someone say, well, you're a helper. And, and I said, yes, I am a helper. And as an educator, we get in this mindset, especially based on some of the media that's out there, that, well, I'm just an educator and that just is a big deal. So putting yourself in the field like that and how did you overcome or how – what do you tell yourself when you are going on an expedition with people? How do you make yourself feel like you're one of them? Like I think what the you first saying? thing I do is I just – Start talking to them and finding
1: points of commonality as I started having conversations you know driving up the Dalton singing to show tunes and you know playing 20 questions I started to kind of reframe the narrative I had told myself that this was not a place for me and that these people were different and bigger and more amazing uh, than I was and started to see we're kind of just curious humans who are all interested in the same thing of how can we discover more about our world and then I started as we ha- found those points of commonality seeing places where I could actually add to the conversation coming from a totally different background as an educator helping the scientists translate their research so it could be communicated to a wider audience and as those conversations started to unfold as we were hiking back through using GPS coordinates one thing I did learn when you're using that GPS to go and find a field site that's marked you also need to mark the point you enter the Mm. forest <laughs> Just because you can then find the field site does not then mean you can find your car oh. on the way back out. <laughs> and it makes when you first start going into that um, boreal forest up in Alaska, those first kind of 100, 200 yards, you can still see your car and you can kind of still see the landscape. But when you're going off trail to these long term research stations that get visited, you know, five, uh, or once every five years, um, it's pretty thick growth. And very quickly, yes. you lose your sense Jim. of orientation.
0: away. No Did you, dude, where's my car? Did you not know?
1: There was a little bit of, there was like, we got half, or part of the way in, and we're like, wait a second, we have no idea where we are. We need to mark at least this point. And then we were able to use, um some trails for trappers, and then a couple of landmarks of things that had just been kind of left in the forest that we could then refind. It was not, we did not sweat too deeply, but I was like, oh, hashtag field fail.
0: Well, what I'm hearing in your story is that the shared experience of bringing educators and explorers together, and, and whether like this week at Explorers Fest, like when we share the same moment... Um, there is an equalization and sometimes at least on the educator side it feels like we're creating a power dynamic that maybe doesn't exist or a narrative that you said like a narrative we're telling ourselves about your place and I think one thing I learned from your story right now is to find your strength and that in knowing your strength you can kind of overcome that self-doubt if you own it you can find your place or see yourself in that place. I think going
1: back to what you said about this idea of, you know, we see our, based on what people tell tell us what we are, this idea of, oh, I'm just an educator, I'm just a helper. When, once we start reframing that identity, it also creates, I mean, not only more amazing educators, it keeps us in the profession much longer because we are putting ourselves as explorers and then it kind of reinvigorates our classroom practices and the way we interact with Uh, our students. But I think this idea of, you know, it's really problematic. You know, I'm just an educator or I'm here and I'm just, I'm just this, whatever this is. And really, we are all kind of on this common journey of curiosity. And once we see the partnerships, I think it's also thinking about resiliency happening through partnerships, because sometimes you need someone else to reflect back on you what they're seeing and kind of help push you and say like, hey, you know, I'm not really seeing the same thing you're seeing. I see what you're doing in this way. And that's that reflection back really push forwards. And I think that kind of Explore sister community is a really great way to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I think creating a sense of belonging you know um, many of us as educators are really isolated and we're these people who are really putting ourselves out there and applying for everything and in creating community, finding value in ourselves. And I feel like knowing you and our Nat Geo certified friends, um, I've become something I didn't think I could be. And it's through, like you said, this reflection back of, of our support system we've created and and festivals and opportunities like this, where people put us in the same place, the same position, uh, and elevate us to that same level, that that feels really special. And for like that's the resilience that I'm gathering is like because Nat Geo is reflecting all this and lifting us up. Like that's what makes me keep going. I
1: think. Seeing the work I do every day as work of exploration, as opposed to seeing it as. I mean it is education, but when I start to see that what I'm doing in the classroom is exploring. I'm testing things out, I'm developing new innovative practices, I'm trying to um, discover things we haven't discovered before, all of a sudden what I'm doing becomes a lot more um, fulfilling and it also becomes a lot more connecting.
0: Something that A lot of what we're doing with the framework or just in our work in education is using words of value to engage students. You know, we've heard that a lot from teachers this week, like Kelly Kohler and her Explorer Mindset map that she's making. When you ask students that we're not going to do a task, but you're going to explore something. Um, There is something about using specific words to help people change their perception and mindset of themselves, and uh, there's something special in that. I think there is power in words to help people grow in resilience, and and one thing I've learned in our community is that perception change. So um, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today, and I'm so glad I've been on this journey with you. You're You're so welcome. It's been wonderful to be here. I can't wait to continue to collaborate. This podcast was recorded in June 2019 during Explorers Festival at National Geographic headquarters in Washington, D.C. Thanks to J.T. Hardin, who connected me to Marcus Manderson at the National Geographic Sound Studio. This podcast was recorded by Jay and edited by me. All music was created using Apple Loops and GarageBand. The logo was created by Jen Levro using Unsplash. The plant photo was taken by Jonas Kaiser, and the paint photo was created by Giordana Cordero. Well, friends... Until next time, remember, resilience is a process, and if anyone can do it, it's you.